seated. Good morning. mention there are baptisms coming up and I'll do that just actually I'll do that now baptisms this coming Sunday uh, two o'clock at the Bazochi's house um, also baptisms the following Sunday um, we're shooting for two it might be a little bit later because we're going to be doing those all the way out in Bastrop um, in a river it's just a beautiful place that, that we have access to that's private it's got a volleyball net there and horseshoes and it's all about baptism, um, but it's 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 going to be awesome. Uh, just in the life of this church to be baptizing—that's that's what this is about. Uh, people following Jesus. Uh, so if if you haven't been baptized, if you haven't followed the Lord in that way, if you have questions about it, boy, if you want to get baptized in a pool or, or a river, you got all the options in front of you right now um, in two different weekends that you can do that. So so let us know. You can put that on the contact card. Or come ask me after service. I'd love to talk to you about that. Well, welcome. If you're new this morning, welcome. I'm glad you could visit with us this morning. My name is David Mathis. Um, I'm one of the co-pastors here. Ruben here is uh, going to be teaching our Spanish service following this. If you um, are able to speak Spanish, we'd love you to, to stay for the worship following. You can see this, this band is, and, and worship team is bilingual. Um, and what God has led us to as a church has been to join two bodies, two languages, really, but in one body, one family, one hope, Jesus Christ. So we're thrilled with what God is doing in our church. We're going to continue our study in Ephesians, but first I'd like to read something out of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And you tell me, maybe just consider, uh, if... This doesn't sound like today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, Unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The scariest statement of all, having the appearance of Appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Let's avoid such people. Is that not the world that we live in today? I only have to go look at the Facebook feed or look at the news and, or even just look at the lives of people around me to realize that we fall into pretty much every category in that list. But it's interesting to me that right in the middle of all of these unrighteous, unholy, just... Um, broken attributes um, is disobedient to their parents. And we also see that in, in the book of Romans. It's a similar kind of a list. A list of all of these characteristics that are so terrible and right in the middle of it is disobedient to parents. How 
important is it to God, the relationship between parents and their children? Well, this morning we're continuing our study in the book of Ephesians, and uh, we've been going through now the relationships of those in the body, of those in, in the body of Christ, the believers, what relationships look like. Um, and last week we covered uh, the relationship of marriage. And now we're getting into the relationship between children and their parents. So, so um, let's read, starting in chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Promises that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the family, the institution of the family that you put together. And last week, as we looked at the glory of your purpose for marriage, there's so much more than what our experience is now. And, and, and we can see the glory that you're, you're bringing out of our brokenness. God, now as we look into the family that's another area, God, that we have so much brokenness. So much brokenness, God. And we need you. We need you in our family. God, show us through your word, not David's ideas, but show us your truth so that we can live in the power of your Holy Spirit, renewing our families. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Do we have any youth children? We do, because we already recognize some of them. Um, youth children in the house, grab your note sheet. These first two fill-ins are going to be for you. So pay attention. Don't, don't check me out quite yet. Actually, you should be paying attention through the whole thing. This is all good for you. You're going to be a parent someday. Um, even if you're not, there's something really cool about the body of Christ that those who are without a father figure, those who are without a mother figure, can find spiritual mothers and fathers within the body of Christ. So family and the relationship between parents and children relates to everyone in this room. All right, so, so children, in Ephesians 6.1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In the Lord. Did you know that God, it was by God's design that your parents are your parents? And in the context here, we're talking about the household of believers. And, and God has given your parents authority over you. So when you are obeying your parents, you are obeying God. And you are submitting to authority that God has put over you. So the first the first point for you to fill in there is that when you obey your parents, obeying my parents pleases the Lord. See, in Colossians 3.20, it's very similar. It says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. This should be exciting to you. If you are a youth who loves the Lord, loves Jesus, here is how you can walk in a way, in a manner pleasing to the Lord. How you can love Jesus back. How you can bless him is to walk in obedience to your parents. It's almost simpler for youth because that's one of the big things. You get that done, 
Boy, you are walking in a manner pleasing to the Lord. So that's the first part for youth. I can please the Lord by, by obeying my parents. Now the second part says, honor your father and mother. In verse 2 of chapter 6, honor your father and mother. And it says this is the first commandment with a promise. This is actually quoting out of Exodus 20, which is where we have the Ten Commandments. And this is the first of the commandments that's listed there with a promise. And, and it quotes the promise. It says that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. What's that about? I honor my mother and father. I, I, it will go well with me and I will live long in the land. Well, we have to understand a little bit about the context that that was given as God is giving the Israelites the Ten Commandments. There at Mount Sinai, they have just uh, exited, in the Exodus, the great Exodus, out of, out of um, Egypt. They've been rescued out of Egypt, and God is leading them on their way to the Promised Land, the land of Canaan where God is going to give them that land that he has promised way beforehand uh, to Abraham, before they were even a nation. And so what God's giving them here in the Ten Commandments is instruction on how to be holy. How when they enter that land that there are going to be a people, his people, that walk in righteousness and holiness. And, and one of the important pieces of that is that they need to carry on the fear of the Lord and the commandments and, and everything that they need to do needs to be carried on generation after generation. And so here's this promise with this commandment. All of these commandments are for their good, saying, children, honor your parents. How am I honoring my parents? I'm listening to what they have to say, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm recognizing it as valuable and important in my life. Now, what do we know in really the, the Old Testament is that they didn't do that well. The parents didn't pass things down well, and the children did not accept what their parents had for them. And so we see time and time again, generations that didn't honor their parents and they didn't fear the Lord and they didn't walk in the way of their parents. And then what happened then? For them, they were pushed out of the land. They were pushed into slavery. Ultimately, uh, they were completely uh, pushed out of the land. Um, so, so the promise to them had to do with, with remaining in the land if they were to honor their parents. How does this apply to us today? If I honor my parents, do I live long in Kyle? Or maybe, maybe we live long in the land of Texas. Now, that's, that's not what it's talking about here. See, in the Old Testament, there was, there was a passing on of the commandments, a passing on uh, of God's law for them to follow generation after generation. And the benefit of that was remaining in the land. For us, now, we don't live by the commandments, we live by faith. And so what are we passing on? We're passing on our faith. And what is the benefit of that? It's no longer to live in a land, but it's the abundant life that we have in Jesus Christ. So children, listen to your parents. The second point I have for you is take their instruction to heart. That's how you honor your parents. Your parents love you. Parents in the Lord 
are wanting you to know the life lessons that they have gone through that have established their faith. Listen to that. Look at their faith and take note so that you can gain the strength of that. As you are heading into life, you are going to need faith in the Lord. And as you establish your faith in the Lord, you'll find the abundant life that we have in Jesus Christ. All right. That was for the, for the kids. Now stay tuned in, kids. We're, we're moving on to the parents. This is still for you. So to the parents, uh, remember our context here. If we go all the way back um, in, into chapter 5, when we were reading, um, all of this flows out of being filled with the command to be filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 18. So that's still in context here, that all of these things come out of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Also, what's in view here is in verse 21, we're still in the context of submitting one, to one another out of reverence for Christ. So last week when we talked about marriage, that foundation of it being so important uh, to be filled with the Spirit in the fear of the Lord, that still continues in this context. But how does that work, submitting one to another, parents to children? Now it makes sense, children submitting to the authority that is their parents, but, but what does that mean, parents submitting to their children? So the first point I have for us is that as parents, we need to submit as a steward. What does it mean to submit as a steward? Turn with me to Psalms uh, chapter 127. Psalms chapter 127 in verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. So first, I'm recognizing, just as we've studied, that the body of Christ uh, that, that is built on the foundation laid by the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, built up by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus being the Lord, in the same manner the Lord is the Lord of my home. Jesus is the one who's building my home, and a house of believers is built and established by the Lord. So unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. But then look down in verse 3. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. See, God has placed children in our care. He is the Lord of our house, and the children that we have are there by his design uh, and, and his gift to us in our care. And we are now stewards of our children on behalf of the Lord. Now, now as parents, typically, we want to protect our children. And we put up defenses and, and, and we, we want to keep them from harm, and, and we want them to not be taken by the world. We, we want to put protection around them, and that's important. But these next verses look much different than that. It says in verse 4, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. An arrow is a much more offensive weapon 
This is not defensive. This is offensive. This is, this is us raising our children to go out, to be sent, to be arrows, to be light in the darkness. We're talking about light and darkness. Raising our kids to be sent. So, so you see here, God, Jesus is the Lord of our house. We have been entrusted as stewards to raise these children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord to send them out. We are stewards. We are submitting to the Lord and submitting to the role that he's given us to raise these children. Last year at my ordination, see, I can't talk about my parents. My parents came to talk at my ordination. Um, uh, so glad that they could be there for that. And my dad opened up this, this passage right here. And he talked about how, you know, raising us kids, they, they saw us as arrows and their heart. To, to send us out in the Lord. And I thought it was so cool. My dad said, well, this particular arrow flew all the way from California and landed in, in Kyle, Texas. Praise the Lord for parents who love the Lord. Do we see our kids in that light? The purpose that we have, the calling that we have. It is a calling to raise our kids, to send them out. Stewards. So look with me in verse 4. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, in chapter 6, Ephesians, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's, it's the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's not the discipline and instruction of David or of Elizabeth. It's the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's his discipline, not mine. So now I've got to figure out what that is. I'm submitting to God, raising my kids in his discipline, in his instruction. And it says here, do not provoke fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. So now it does call out fathers, and I think there's something specific here to fathers. Uh, mothers have the heart of the relationship. Fathers are the ones that are more likely to provoke to anger. But, but keep in mind, we're coming out of the context of a marriage that, that in God's design is, is one, two people becoming one. And so it, it's, it's calling out to fathers because of the role of fathers to lead the home. But very much so, there is a marriage here that is parenting. So right alongside the father is the mother. And so this is speaking to both. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Boy, when we get it right with submitting to the Lord in our role as stewards of raising our kids, this becomes less of a problem. Why is that? Well, we just talked about to the kids that how important it is for them to obey their parents and to honor their father and mother. Well, when I'm doing that in my own strength, in my own purpose, my reason for, for teaching obedience to my kids is for my own benefit. Do this. Why? Because I said so. That's actually a valid answer. But boy, how different that is when the motivation is there as a stewardship to come alongside my kids and say, 
The reason why you need to be obedient to me has nothing to do with me. It has to do with your relationship with God. It's, it's you walking in fellowship with God. I want you to grow up in relationship to the Lord. And, and it's my job to show you how to be obedient to your parents. Versus, I'm tired right now and I don't want to explain. Which one's going to cause frustration in your children? Maybe, maybe in that moment I'm saying, you know, because I said so, but there was a prior conversation where they understand that your motivation in them just being obedient without having explanation is for their good and because you love them. Boy, we need to get it right. How to be a steward in the role that we have to raise our kids. So how do we do this? In the, it's, the, it's not my instruction, it's the instruction of the Lord. It's not my discipline, it's the discipline of the Lord. So how, how can I do that? Well, I look to my Father, my Heavenly Father. He's the one who's going to give us the best instruction on how to be a good father, how to be a good parent. What do we learn from the Father? Well, He's perfect. Now, don't get that wrong. So, so he always is responding in the way that's best for us. Me as a dad, how many times is my response born out of my tiredness? My, my inability to focus on two things at once. My, my response isn't always in the best interest of my kids. And, and, and just creating that, that perfect response to be discipling and growing them up. No, it's be quiet and sit down. Daddy's got to think. But even though we don't have the perfect, limitless, infinite resource that God does, we do have the Spirit of God in our lives and we can be submitting to Him even in the midst of our tiredness and Him giving the strength to have the right response in training up our kids. All right, so let's take the first thing. We've got two things here, the discipline of the Lord and the instruction of the Lord. How do we bring them up in the discipline of the Lord? Well, how does our Heavenly Father discipline us? Do we, do, we, do we even understand and recognize that He does discipline us? Let's look in Hebrews chapter 12. Starting in verse 5, it says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So there we've already got one aspect of the discipline of the Lord. It's coming out of his love for us. He disciplines the one he loves. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. We deal with a lot of adversity in tough circumstances. And a lot of it, is, it, most of it, is brought out by the brokenness of this world. But God allows us to continue through that. We, we, have, to, we have to be clear here, and I've mentioned this before, that, that this is not the punishment of the Lord. We never have to deal with the punishment of the Lord. Why? Because all of the punishment has already been put on Christ. 
So when you're in a tough circumstance and you find yourself enduring, don't think for a moment, God is punishing me. No, punishment was put on Christ. But a loving Father will allow us to continue through adversity. In a moment, he could take us out of that. He's got the power to do that. But he will allow us to continue in that. Protecting us all the while. But he will allow us to continue in that out of his love to discipline us for our good. So it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And here's the scary part. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. If you don't see this in your life, get on your knees before God. Am I your son, God? I, I should expect to see adversity that I need to endure through. I should see the discipline of the Lord in my life. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? If we're saying, God, you're killing me. Then no, you're not going to die. This is discipline. Praise the Lord. When it's time for me to go, it'll be time for me to go. And that will not be a disciplinary action towards me. That will be God's grace saying, it's time for you to come home, Dave. In the meantime... His discipline is not going to kill me. It's for my good. It says, For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, and that we may share his holiness. In verse 11, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. So what have we learned here? We learned that God's discipline comes out of love. We've learned here in verse 10 that it is for our good that we may share in his holiness. And in case you didn't understand this, discipline does not feel good. It's painful, not pleasant. That's what discipline is. But it yields the fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. So how, how do we... How do we go and, and translate this to parenting with our kids? Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 22. And in verse 15, short and sweet. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of discipline drives it far from him. What is the rod of discipline? Well, that can include a lot of things. I can tell you it's painful and not pleasant, right? That, that can include a spanking. That, that can include um, a, a slap on the hand when my son is reaching for the hot burner on the stove and I give him a stern no and slap on the hand. That, that's not going to kill him to get a slap on the hand, but maybe it will teach him so that the time I'm not there to catch him, he's not going to burn himself. That's, that's discipline. It's for his good. It's painful in the moment, but it yields life. <laughs> I can be burned by the stove. So, but, but this could really be anything. It's, it's, it's the discipline, but, but, but remember that if it's the rod of discipline that is, that is like the Lord's, then it's coming from what? It's coming from a position of love. And it's motivated for our good, 
and to produce righteousness and holiness. So whatever the means of discipline that we bring to our children, it needs to be as us, as, as parents who are submitting to our rule, to raise our children in the discipline of the Lord. But, but there's a huge key here for parenting. As we're, as we're trying to get, what is the heart of God? What, what's God's focus as a parent that should be my focus in the discipline of my child? And it's actually the focus of this verse, which often I think is lost. It is the heart of my child. See, see there's folly that built up in the heart of my child. And the purpose of discipline is to drive the folly out of the heart of my child. God doesn't focus on the outward appearance. How many times have I gotten this wrong? That my whole purpose in disciplining and feeding in and instructing my kids is so that they look good. So that I look good having a child who looks good. When Jesus was here on this earth, the people who looked the best on the outside were the religious leaders. And what did he call them? Whitewashed tombs because their heart on the inside was ugly. God doesn't care about the appearance on the outside. His focus is on the heart. So our point as parents for discipline that I have for us is to parent the heart. That's God's focus. That should be my focus. And boy, how this changes everything. When my focus is on the heart of my child, that changes everything about how I discipline. It, it actually makes it much more difficult. I can't just subdue my child into submissiveness and be done. No, because if I'm not getting at the heart, then I'm not parenting the way God wants me to parent. My, my focus is not his focus. So when I'm out on the soccer field and my son doesn't get to play or, or, or there's a bad call or, or I just don't feel like my, my son's getting a fair chance and I go out there and I start yelling at the coach and I start yelling at the ref and, what, and whatever uh, to, to get my kid this chance on the field, well, I have, I have taken care of the immediate hurt that he has. No longer does he have to be left out. Now my, now my child is in such a better place because he's no longer being left out. You realize in that moment I was teaching the heart of my child? What did I teach him? Was it the instruction and discipline of the Lord? No. The heart of Christ? What did Christ tell us? If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone asks you to walk a mile, walk another mile. It was, it was sacrifice in the heart of Jesus. Am I teaching my kids that? Or maybe I take that opportunity, and as my kid says, why, Dad, why didn't you go like with the other dads and, and speak up? And, and, or maybe just saying, Dad, I felt so left out. And you say, use that moment to teach your child how many ways? What's God's focus? So maybe I've purchased tickets to an event and something comes up that it's between the heart of my child and making it to this event. What, God, what does God care about more? The price of those tickets? The opportunity lost to go to a one-time event or a show? Or the heart of your child? 
It's the heart of my child that he cares about more. Maybe vacation plans have to be changed because I'm dealing with a heart issue with my child. My child is, is just dug in with his stubbornness to disobey his parents. What's more important, that we make it on that vacation or that I walk through this with my child so that he can learn how important it is to love and obey his parents? And it's not just about me. This is teaching my child to walk in a manner pleasing to the Lord. How many ways? Boy, we, we want to protect our kids from hurt. Is it the best thing for our kids to never have to feel hurt or pain? Maybe, maybe our own past experience of experiencing pain makes us extra sensitive to not wanting our child to have to experience that. Is God's focus more that our child not have to experience that hurt or that their heart be right with him? God's focus is the heart. Don't let our, our attention come off of that as primary. No, I don't want my children to have to experience pain. But does God allow us to experience pain in order for us to get our heart right with him? Yes, he does. Most definitely he does. Our focus is in the right place. That will transform everything. Parenting the heart is going to involve asking real questions to our kids. It's not just going to be saying, be quiet, sit in the corner, stop it. So we can, we can give them direction and, and, and get them to the place where, where they are the model child, but I never ask them the underlying questions of why. Why do you feel it necessary to act that way? Why are you acting up this way? What are you feeling right now? And when your child gives you real answers to your real questions, don't correct them. Praise the Lord that they are exposing their heart to you because then now you have the opportunity to speak into that, to meet them right where they're at and say, I understand that. I was there once too, or maybe I was there yesterday. We're gonna have to ask questions and not just give direction. So how do I speak into my child's life when I finally get him to open his heart to me? Well, now we're getting into raising them in the instruction of the Lord. That seems scary. The instruction of the Lord. Well, well, I've got God's instruction right here. Do I need to be a Bible scholar in order to be raising my kids in the instruction of the Lord? I don't think you do. In fact, I think there's Bible scholars out there that, that aren't raising their kids in the instruction of the Lord. Here's the final point for us parents. To raise our, our kids in the instruction of the Lord, we need to live a transparent faith. We're just one step ahead. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 11:1? 1? He said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You watch me follow Christ, and you do as I do. I don't have all the answers. Let's go figure it out together. When, you're, when, when you're, your kids ask you that question, it's like, well, I don't know. Let's go figure it out together. 
Let's go into God's word together. Let them see you fail. Let them see you recover. Let them see you hold on to Christ. Let them into your journey of faith. Our kids need that. They're going to have so much more instruction by watching you follow Christ than any great words of wisdom that you can impart on them. They're going to take that more than you just giving them instruction, instruction, instruction. The instruction of the Lord is your life, a testimony. Yes, it is important to, to go into God's word. As, as we've talked about many times, that how critical it is to hear God's word with faith. Take in God's word with faith and include, bring in your children into that. As God is shaping you, as he's showing you things, invite your children into your walk of faith and live transparent faith. So, so when they ask, maybe, as, as God was convicting you of something, maybe, maybe convicting you of, of how you're managing your money, and they, they notice, your older kids notice, why'd you, why'd you tip that waitress so much? She, she was terrible. And maybe God was working on you right then to say, you know what? I could see it in her eyes. There's something more going on. She is going through something. And God has given me this opportunity to bless someone. I'm going to use it. Or maybe they, they notice that you don't go out and yell at the ref. Share your heart. Say, no, I really wanted to go out and yell at that ref. Be transparent. But, but God has shown me something better. And share that with your kids. There's different levels of appropriateness to share with your kids, depending on what age they are. Um, boy, when... Uh, I've shared a number of times with this body my testimony. November uh, 2017, um, God leading me and my wife uh, to a place, leading me to a place to confess to my wife um, what had been just bondage of, uh, of addiction to pornography for our whole marriage, 20 years. And, and, and in that, he freed me from that. Praise the Lord. I've had freedom from that since then. But there was a time after that that God led me and Elizabeth to sit down with my boys and explain my testimony. <laughs> Praise the Lord. My boys were crying. Why? Because of their own sin. And we were able to open our hearts and say, look, let's have an honest conversation about following the Lord. I am here for you, boys. Look at what the Lord has done in my life. We need to live a transparent faith and invite our kids into that. Praise the Lord that through my sin, I'm able to have an open conversation with my boys. My boy's sitting right there. Why we need to live a transparent life. Let them see you in your marriage. Let them see you fathers be Christ to your wife 
in that role that God has given you. Let, let them see, mothers, you representing the body of Christ, submitting to the head to Christ. To, to Christ. And, and, and let, let them see healthy relationship in your marriage. Don't, don't just hide that from them. Invite your kids into the walk as you're following Christ. Boy, this, this is life, but it's only possible when the power of God is working in us. When the power of God is working through parents, the power of God is there uh, in your kids. From the beginning, being filled with the Spirit, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, then life happens in the church. If, if you don't know Christ, that's the first step. If you don't know the Lord, then, then none of this applies <laughs> because the power of God is not in it. You can't have that submission to one another truly in this life without what Christ did on the cross. Why? Because we have a sin problem. What's prime, no matter how hard we try to, to make things about those that are around us, it still comes back to us. And there's only one way that we, be, we can be saved from our sin. And it's sin that we're accountable to a holy God for. But God in his love sent his son to die and pay. The, that, that's that punishment. That's why, that's why those who believe in Christ don't have to worry about punishment. They don't consider circumstances punishment because Christ took our punishment upon himself so that we could have life. And that life is transforming. And what do we need to do? We just believe in Jesus. Believe in him. Jesus, God's son, sent to this earth to die for my sin. And three days later, raised again, so that in the power of Christ, I can be raised to new life. And my family can experience new life. The body of our church can experience life. Why? Because of the power of Jesus working in us. Let's worship the Lord together, church. Stand. Father, we want to shout it from the mountaintops. We want to praise your name. God, we want our kids to shout it from the mountaintops and praise your name. Show us, God, how to raise our kids in this world that's so dark and difficult to raise boys and girls to become men and women who love you. Guide us in that, God, because we want to send them out as arrows, arrows full of your light penetrate darkness and to bring the hope that is only found in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.